don't know if it was DHS or if it was the National Guard, but like some troops just like come in, like just like full on with their rifle, like pointed at me. I'm like sitting in a chair and I was eating <laughs> Cheez-Its because I was so sick from the gas that I was like, I couldn't, I literally couldn't breathe or move. I was so sick. Hi, I'm Evelyn Ray. Welcome to another episode of The Cauldron Pool Show. I'm joined today with a very special guest. He is an on-the-ground reporter for The Blaze. He also is a TV and podcast host. He's also offensive, but only slightly, and that is Elijah Schaefer. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me on. I love Australia. It is part of my roots, my blood. My wife's Australian. My co-host on one of my shows is Australian. My sister's dating an Australian. My family's Australian. And you guys have it tough and rough. But I just wanted to say as we start out that I absolutely uh, love you guys. We are praying for you guys. And I'm so happy to be on the show as this is an amazing website and publication. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And yeah, you, you are basically, we, we'll, we will be happy to adopt you in over here if that should ever be your desire. Although right now I would strongly suggest to stay exactly where you are because you're probably a lot safer. And I'm sure your wife can testify to this as well, seeing everything. But how's that been for her and for you having so many close family members over here and friends just sort of watching what's been going on? Well, there's two aspects to this that I think are really interesting. Number one, one of the hard parts about being an American, and then I'll attest to the Australian part, is that other Western countries love to dismiss Americans' opinions, yet they are obsessed with our politics, and then they don't realize that a lot of their ability to be a different type of Western nation um, is based and predicated on the fact that we provide the military support internationally that um, gives them the ability to spend their taxpayer dollars on the same more secure social programs than we have, right? They don't spend, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars a year on their militaries. Uh, so they don't, so they're able to use things like get free healthcare or free college or different things. But we spend an enormous amount of money trying to police the world, which they complain about, but it benefits <laughs> them specifically. Yeah. Um, and so when you're an American, you know, people are, oh, they're loud, they're annoying, they're this, they're gun. Or, and they just pick us apart. Meanwhile, the reason why they're not in, Australia is not invaded by China per se is because of United States interference, also including the fact that we're providing the submarines to protect your, your borders. So, so it's hard to comment um, on foreign stuff as an American um, because people tend to dismiss you. But what's interesting is we're actually quite informed on what's going on in other countries, more informed, I would say, than people inside of the nation themselves, simply because we have uh, one of the few Western countries that has laws in place to protect free speech. And so we have a huge influx of, of information, the ability to get information out and industries of sharing information. Most tech companies are American. Um, mm. And so like when I speak to this, I'm not coming at this like an American, like, oh, you don't understand Australian politics and whatnot. I know we understand human rights and we understand laws and mm. civility and what God has given us. And Australia is in a very, very curious and bad situation, not just because of what the government is doing, but because of the way the people are misinformed and uninformed and don't understand the severity of what's actually going on in their country, which is the most alarming thing. Mm. And they often judge Americans like, well, you don't get, you know, Australian, like, you know, it's just always, it'll be all right. You know, it'll be all right. You know, just, just all, that's very, the mentality of, of Australians. And to, to those that are listening, whether you're, you know, a, a crown colony, as we call them, Canada, United States, you know, New Zealand, Australia, or if you are a independent country, like Western country in Europe, 
the problem is, is that it's not all right. It's not going to be all right. And you should not be accepting the situation you're in, no matter if it's an American telling you America has a lot of problems. And if an American is telling you as a Western country you have a problem, you do. Yeah. Um, because, <laughs> because we have plenty in our own border and we're aware of them. And being an American, being married to an Australian, being surrounded by them gives you a really interesting perspective. Mm. On, on the personal note, uh, Australians abroad, specifically unvaccinated Australians and those with unvaccinated families are very heartbroken. I mean, you know, my mom's dead, so I can't hug her. Um, but, you know, my wife has not been able to hug her parents in years, not been able to see them. And by no means are we in a financial position where, you know, money is keeping us from seeing them. Um, we're not, you know, she's, God's been very good to us. So she's, you know, stay at home wife. It's not time or children as we're, you know, fairly newly married. We haven't had kids yet to realize that the government has created a, a roadblock to prevent both my wife, you know, my, my, uh, co-hosts, et cetera, from being able to, to have a holistic and, and whole family to realize that my wife, that if, you know, it's kind of maybe why we've been delaying things with children a little bit that, you know, if we have a kid that her, her mother, you know, cannot be here to help or to, to meet the kid. I mean, it's just, it's damaging. It's damaging mm -hmm. to the, to the families. It's, it's a human rights abuse, but also it's on a, on a political level, it's quite shocking. Um, mm -hmm. To see a nation like Australia treat their people very similarly to the way the CCP treats its people in China, because mm. Australia is not a collectivist society. It is individualist. It's Western in, in many ways. But to see them disregard the, the rights of their people and to see the people accept it, even though I don't know every one of them, is just heartbreaking to watch European countries fall to, to autocratic totalitarian measures and to see them not respect enlightenment ideas and Christian values of autonomy and, and the ability to think and safety over something that like COVID is really not a big deal in terms of what people make it out to be. Um, it's just not it's it, it the, the response doesn't match the threat by any means. And to yeah. see this happening to be directly affected by it, but to also hear the cries of the people who are against what's going on with no legal ability to fight it, um, yes. no understanding of what to do. I know it's a long-winded response, but like, <laughs> you know, mm. I, 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 all I can say is I'm shocked. And, mm. and I don't know why Australians are accepting their position. I don't get it. I don't know why they're not I mean, Canadians aren't even accepting it the way that, that Australians yeah. are. I mean, the, like, Canadians are fighting harder, but the, the, the Kiwis, I mean, even the, in UK, they fought and got things removed, but the Kiwis and the Australians, I don't know mm. what the hell you guys are doing. I've been asking myself the same question. Like, when is this rubber band going to snap? Because we've been stretching it and stretching it for such a long time. And there's only so far you can stretch it, but I mean, gosh, I guess we're resilient, but we're, Aussies are kind of really putting up with quite a lot. And I really do think we're a very soft socialist nation. We've got a lot of political parties over here who think we get free housing, free everything. Um, the government's basically become mum and dad um, and God all in one. Um, we very much prefer security over freedom. 
But, you know, like we've come from a really unique sort of background. We came out here basically having to treat the government like God because this was a second chance for convicts, for criminals. I don't know whether this is some generational curse that's gone through our mentality, our framework, but we're certainly in a really uh, precarious position right now. Those of us who do see what's going on who and who aren't happy are sort of uh, copying the hard end of the stick. Um, I've lost my job because I'm unvaccinated. I'm one of many, many thousands. Um, I learned last week, I know somebody from overseas in, um, in Africa who is coming to Australia to take a position over here in a hospital. And I know friends of mine who have lost their jobs in a hospital just because they are unvaccinated. They had had COVID while serving the community, protecting people from COVID. They have the natural immunity, but they haven't been allowed to obviously continue their employment. It's very sad over here, but, you know, I actually really appreciate Americans being involved like yourself and having an opinion on this because I think we need more than ever to see that it's not normal because we're in this bubble and this dome over here and everybody thinks that this is the new normal and it shouldn't be. I think when um, the government takes the authority over the people um, that God has, that's when it becomes tyranny. And that's exactly kind of what we're seeing um, that, you know, as you said, Canada, like that truck sort of thing that they're doing at the moment. I think we tried to do that in Australia last year and it just absolutely flopped. I think they just, no one showed up and the poor guys, two or three that did, um, you know, were sort of left on their own. So I've been really encouraged by Canada. And I said to the other day, how come they have it so right? And we haven't been able to do that. And like you, I'm shocked. I don't know. But are you seeing um, in America, like, um, obviously, like, I know places like New York, they've had some pretty draconian measures, like children being masked as young as three in daycare and things like that. But is there kind of a, what's the feel in America right now? Are you guys done with it? Or are you still kind of having to push back a bit? Well, it's definitely geopolitical. It's like where you're located um, is very important. Yeah. And to put it in perspective, people care a lot about what's going on in Australia because uh, Americans see uh, Australia as being a Western idealistic environment. I love Australia. I lived in and out of there for a few years. I really, really enjoy uh, the people, the country. You know, America is uh, about, you know, similar size landmass to the United States, but much more dense and populated. And it, for people that don't know this, it's like more people live in California, one of the 50 states, than live in the entire country of Australia. Um, we're a very populous nation, one of the top populous nations in the world. Um, and we are a first world nation. That being said, not every city in America is first world. Um, there's definitely a, some third world elements to the country. And we're backed into, I'd say, second-ish, 2.5 world, if that exists, uh, nation, um, Mexico at our southern border, you know, and directly connected on like Australia to a, a slew of other Central and South American countries mm -hmm. by a, a network of roads, et cetera, that creates a, a lot of a lot of issues in our nation. We're very diverse um, ethnically. It's rather new, too. I was like, since 1965, we were always a white nation, and it's, it's more new that we've become a culturally diverse place, which is at its pros and cons. Um, that being said, you know, the United States is in a real crossroads with COVID that has, has pressed us. And number one, I want to celebrate the victory and thank God for two things. Uh, we have a constitution. You guys do too. You don't, you don't really acknowledge it. Um, there is really a constitution. You do technically have rights, but it's been disregarded at least since 1973 I, that I know in your, in your nation. Uh, in our country, we do have a very set 
of rules um, that we are governed by. And what was ha what has happened is, is that document was written for a, a just and moral people. And that's what it said. It could only be for just and moral people because it was never meant to, let's say free speech wasn't, um, you know, wasn't made so that we could have only fans and, um, you know, put uh, dildos in our body for tips, right? That's not what that, that's not what that yeah. meant, uh, which is what we're seeing now. It's like a proliferation. It was, it's, you know, free speech was meant to be able to say what was right. Separation of church and state. That wasn't mm -hmm. made so that, you know, Christians, you couldn't pray in the, 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 the courts or something. It was made so that there was this idea of a respect of law and that the law couldn't invade the churches type of thing. It, it, it was made yeah. for a just and moral people. And we were a just and moral people for a long time. Um, predicate post-World War II, we've become a, a liberal democracy and not a republic anymore. And it has led to a whole slew of, de of degeneration, specifically in our major city centers, Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, and uh, New York. Miami sort of too. Um, and they, these cities don't really abide by the constitution. They've had major uh, reforms in the justice system by uh, ma major banking cartel members, including um, Soros, and also just a, a few different foundations, uh, which have essentially gotten district attorneys inside of the court system and judges um, to be appointed in, in their campaigns so that the judicial system is sort of no longer operating by the, the rules and the laws and the charters of our nation and sort of they're just lawless environments. That being said, the, the major cities don't really follow the constitution, but the constitution still exists. So with COVID, the cities and the counties are not operating under American laws and they do enforce draconian COVID measures, but federally, on a national level, the courts, because the way that the, the judges are appointed and they're elect, they're, they're appointed and some are elected at like the state and county level, we're starting to win lawsuits and we've been winning a lot of lawsuits, mm. which is where we've been sort of fighting the cities and the cities know they're going to lose, but they do stuff anyways. And, but then, then they lose, but these take months and oftentimes years. So what's happens is like, it is against medical law, HIPAA, to ask for people's vaccine status to enter an, an environment. And so somewhere like, I think the, the, the Washington DC, New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago are like some of the only places that would require, and San Francisco, would require you to, to show your vaccine status to enter a business. It's fully illegal nationally, it, which means it's against state and local laws. It is fully illegal constitutionally. And the lawsuits are currently being written and they're currently entering courts and they'll take time. We will win them. Um, and that's the difference with the United States is we're gonna win and we are winning. And that's what's a major white pill. Uh, you know, basically they can't make any of these mandates laws because that's why our legislative body in the United States is not writing laws. The Congress isn't doing anything. If, if, if Australians aren't so familiar, we have the, you know, the legislative branch, which is Congress. They write the laws, the executive branch, which is the presidency, FBI, et cetera. They enforce the laws. And then we have the judicial, which is you know, down from your city court to the circuit, to the Supreme Court, that sort of uh, measures judges or, or, or I would even say legislates the law. And so- mm -hmm. The, the, the legislative won't write any laws on COVID. That's one thing, because they can't, it's all illegal. Everything's illegal. Every measure against COVID is illegal. Mask mandates, um, social distancing enforcement, uh, everything. So we've never had a federal laws 
We have had no COVID laws. There's no such thing as a law because you can't. What we can have is mandates. Mandates are illegal. And the only way that we can get rid of mandates once they're executively pushed is by fighting them in court. It's the same reason why the January 6th insurrection, nobody's been charged with insurrection because even if the federal government says it's an insurrection stuff, legally there's no grounds to push it as so. So with COVID, there's no way to enforce any law. So people are then suing in the courts and the federal government is expecting the courts to slow it down. But we just, unfortunately in the United States for them, we keep winning every fight. And we got all mandates for vaccines just withdrawn yesterday from the federal government, all mandates yeah. for, for, for companies. Um, and even most states, people are winning against the mask mandates. And so it's like, it's like you see the draconian measures of like people disobeying and disregarding the constitution. After all, it is just a piece of paper if people are not moral and just. But our court system is still pretty legit and the constitution holds all legal power. And so we're one of the few Western countries that while our government is just as corrupt as Australia and New Zealand, I know this is like kind of maybe boring for people. Maybe I'm, maybe it's boring for you going <laughs> into this. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me that even though it takes years, I think within several years, probably less, we'll see everything gone away completely in the United States due to major lawsuits. And I, that's where I think we have the advantage on everyone is that we actually can win when Australia, you guys don't exactly have the same respect for, for, for human rights that we do here mm, and the definitely. same legal the same legal ability uh, to, to fight your government that we do. Cause in the end we have like, we have a lot of guns. Uh, That's all I'm going to say. Our our government's quite frightened. (laughs) Our government's, uh, our government to put into perspective, we we can get into this actually, which I don't want to derail your, your, your podcast. I just, um, uh, I, the, the fascinating thing about the United States is, is that we do have a lot of guns and that's what keeps the government afraid of us. And the United States government, is, it's coincidentally, uh, as they pushed harsher COVID measures, um, the UK has quite a bit of more guns than people understand too. So does Australia, but they're yeah. locked up. Um, I'd say the UK probably has more firearms per capita. Maybe I'm wrong. Someone can fact check me on that. Um, but, but I will say this is that the the government is so unpopular in the United States at the moment that the greatest threat to the, the country they claim is domestic terrorism, which is means extremists, which essentially just means people who are sick of the government. And we are currently doing drills in North Carolina, the United States government is, on how to overthrow a fake, you know, a transitionary government that is trying to take over the federal government. They're so scared. They're doing war drills <laughs> in the country right now on how to topple a independent government that, that secedes from yeah, the country. Wow. They're afraid of secession. They're that it's that unpopular. Mm. Um, and, and Reuters explained that it's based upon the COVID measures. People are so mad about COVID that there's genuine, and it's real people write it off. No, no, no there's uh, like, I've talked to attorney generals of states. People are considering breaking off from the union or not, or no, like, well, I mean, the Texas has taken over its own border. We've militarized our own border. We stopped relying on the federal mm-hmm. government. We we took our own national guard from our state, which we control. In, we took our own military from our state. Every state has their own military. If people don't know that. And uh, we, we, uh, we've we militarized our own border and we've created our own laws. We've, st- we've stopped respecting the federal government in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's a, uh, it's quite interesting in the United States, people don't realize that, that how, how much autonomy states really have, but also that the federal government is being forced to relax a lot of things, not just because of the courts, which they could ignore, but it's because there's a genuine threat of violence against the government, which I'm not condoning or supporting or promoting by any means, because that's the internet and I have to say a lot of disclaimers. Um, but 
the problem with the United States is where the UK had the same issue, which is why they relaxed the, the issue. We could topple our government here. Uh, people say the nukes and stuff. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Um, and the government doesn't want domestic warfare. And the states are are having a they're having a hard time getting states to cooperate with them. Um, mm. which is why they've 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 taken away emergency authorization for the monoclonal antibodies, specifically so that deaths can go up from COVID, um, and so that they can uh, put pressure on red states to sort of get back in line. But America's very unstable right now. And because of the instability and the will of the people and the amount of firearms and the genuine threat that the government feels, they are not only removing the laws, but every lawsuit we win, they're immediately complying because they realize mm. if they don't, they may have a civil war on their hands. And I don't mean that lightly. It's a genuine Americans yeah. hunger for, for, for justice is pretty strong, despite what public perception we have due to the media. Yeah. And in Australia, it's interesting. Um, you know, I feel like your constitution, you have the Federalist Papers, you have all these things which were great Christian men who made these things and had a real understanding of exactly what you said, the role of the government and where they fall in line to people and human rights and things like that. And I think while ever um, people pledge their allegiance to something greater than the government, that's the biggest threat to the government, you know? Um, and so I feel like Americans get that a lot better than we do over here. And, you know, we have legislation now. They've made permanent pandemic legislation. It's gone to our courts in Victoria and it's permanent now. So our court system has failed us at a constitutional level. Um, we have these, these mandates, so to speak, being enforced right till the end. We have absolutely no rights. And as you said, we are unarmed over here. We don't have the second amendment. We don't have any of these things. So I definitely think you guys are in a better position to fight this than us. And whether, you know, you guys have a better understanding of what freedom actually is as well. Um, because as I said, we came here not really as free people. We came mm -hmm. here under the government, whereas you guys fought for your independence. You guys fought for your freedom and for your rights and you broke away and formed, you know, a, I guess a healthy respect for freedom and understanding of it. But um, going back to sort of America and Australia, I mean, I mentioned this before, um, I wanted to sort of touch base of what not just purely COVID, but I guess the things that happened in America over the last couple of years with Antifa and BLM and the riots and things like that, because over in Australia, we just sort of feed what the government gives us and the mainstream media obviously portrayed it, I think, very differently to um, what the truth actually is. And I would always go to your page and look at your videos to get the truth because you were on the ground. You actually saw it with your own eyes. It wasn't secondhand information. It wasn't Chinese whispers. I knew if I went to your page, that's exactly what it was, the impartial truth. But again, Australians um, aren't afforded that opportunity because we get censored so much here especially on our online platforms and our media. So I really wanted to sort of grasp an understanding of what it was like living in America during those riots after George Floyd was killed, because we had Aussies over here who can't stand politics, who have no real interest in American politics, but here they were on the streets of Australia in Sydney and in Melbourne protesting for Black Lives Matter. And for someone like me, I'm thinking, you know, I don't understand how we got here, but um, they obviously were of the opinion um, that the Black Lives Matter movement was a good thing for rights. Um, but huh. I'd love to hear what your take on all this was. As I said, you were there. So 
in, I guess, as much as concise as you can give it, um, can you just tell us just straight, like what it was like in America? Well, objectionably, America is not a racist country, despite what people uh, discuss on the media. We don't have an issue with racism here. And, you know, I know your, your, your core demographic and audience probably agrees, but some people might disagree. Oh, what is a white man saying that? No, trust me we have no racism issues in our in our country. In fact, we have quite the opposite. We're like too generous to countries that we shouldn't be. And we are more diverse than we probably should be. Meaning not because there's anything wrong with being of a different race, but just it actually creates more problems in the fact just culturally of what we want for the country going forward uh, politically based off of you know cultural background and norm. Um, we've, I've never grown up in a racist country. Um, I've never I, my best friend growing up was black. I've been around a lot of black people my entire life and no one's ever complaining about this kind of stuff. So the perception that America was this uh, racist powder keg that finally split open in 2020 as a complete media lie. That's uh, none of that's actually going on. It's a full media fabrication. It's unfortunate because it makes the country look like a problem. The, the, the main threat to black people is black people. They're, they're, they're the ones killing each other. Um, that's a real crime problem, gang problem, but it's not there's no uh, issue with cops killing black men. There's no uh, statistical information about um, black people being killed disproportionately by police more than white people. There is literally just no evidence for any of this besides what the media says. Um, and they don't back it up with FBI crime statistics, anything. So 2020 was an interesting year because I don't think anyone expected racial riots to to evolve because there was no racial tension. There was no actual issue. Uh, black people are lied to in the United States regularly about this racial tension that white people hate them. And it's an interesting thing because I've never met a white person that hates black people. And that doesn't mean there aren't some that exist, uh, but um, I would say that there was just a lot of lies throughout the Trump presidency about racism, the rise of uh, Nazism and et cetera, that was again, all fabricated. So they tried to create race riots a little bit earlier um, with uh, an older case of someone who was shot while jogging. And they brought up a couple of things, including like Breonna Taylor and people and just things that were, they were trying to just get race riots started. And there was some, we saw those in Ferguson a few years earlier. Uh, but then it was like with George Floyd, like <clears throat> George Floyd did not die from, he was not murdered. Uh, there's nothing in the uh, toxicology and in, in, in the autopsy that explains that he was murdered. Um, he definitely, definitely, for sure, in, in many ways, died from a combination of, of different factors. Um, but most importantly, he was already dying before there was a knee on his neck. Now, obviously, Officer Chauvin, the, the, the footage looks bad. Um, people didn't have all the information at the time. And um, every election year, they try to start civil unrest. They, I'm not going to get into that on your podcast, but people <laughs> can do their own research who, who's, who's running the world and why they hate Christians and et cetera. Uh, it, they were they were we were trying to do this and we knew that we knew it i think in america we had like i'm at least me working in politics understood this and when they killed george floyd i knew it was a sham immediately because uh it was an election year and he died and the the way it was made out to be was immediately a lie on the media and it was covered non-stop um which shows that it was coordinated and you could feel the tensions rising and then in Minnesota, they did a stand down order and they let their city be burned and their police stations uh, torn down. And they gave a green light for the race riots in the United States. So we knew it was coming. I had uh, so I geared up, you know, went and up my gas mask and my and my like we knew this was happening. And the world thought it was like an accident. We knew what was happening. And we were like, OK, 
riots are going to start. We were actually prepared um, in cities. People like like left the inner, inner cities. We just we we knew what was happening, and it was very apparent. And the right wing was on it very quickly. Um, and I think the world like the world probably didn't know and was catching up. And I think probably a lot of foreign Western countries got involved in American politics through these riots, probably got like, interested in what was going on. Uh, maybe they were asleep, but they don't realize that we we're like fully aware of what was happening. And we were like, okay, they yeah. gave police stand down orders. They let their city burn down. And we went, I don't know if I can say crap on your podcast. I'm trying not to swear, but just like I said something <laughs> I else. But just, okay. Just, oh crap. Here we go. So so I had just, I had, I was like, I got to leave LA. So I, I left Los Angeles and Minnesota was burning down while I was on the road driving to where I now live in uh, North Texas, which is one of the safest and best places to live throughout this pandemic. pandemic. Um, and I arrived and my friend was like, bro, they're gathering in Dallas. This is the day I actually got into Dallas. I got into Dallas. Uh, I just moved there. And he's like, they're gathering for, for Floyd. Now, I was thinking, okay, this is Dallas. We're in Texas. Like, I know Minnesota. Minnesota is very, very far left. Like, Dallas police aren't going to mess around, right? This is this is Dallas. Like, mm. I'm, I mean, it's Texas, the heartland of America. We're in the center of the country. Yeah. Like, I get the Portland and stuff, but no, 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 no. Well, I'm not going to get all the details of the night. I mean, I went, I went into uh, to the protest which divulged into a riot and it was crazy was it was coordinated there was there was leadership they were telling people where to go what to break into uh the wow. police were standing down they were abandoning cars people were blowing up cars um wow. the they you know were like break they were breaking into bars getting wasted and breaking it into like neiman marcus and the high-end stores right these are in the, these are in the rich districts of downtown um and you know you know, I saw someone near, he's like brain dead. I've seen them, you know, people, them like, I, I, I watched them like nearly kill a guy and then rob him after they like killed him, which was crazy. Um, mm. And like take his shoes and his wallet out of his pockets. I, I, you know, I saw a lot of like horrible things. The police just completely lost control of the city. This is in Dallas, by the way. So it's like, you hear about Portland or something? Sure. Or New York, maybe. This is Dallas. Come on. This is America's mm. heartland. And I think I knew it was going to be an interesting season when like the best way to describe it, if people have seen the new Joker movie where he's like hanging out the window, police were like speeding by streets as to not get mobbed, hanging out of windows with rubber bullet and pepper bullet guns and just like burst firing into the crowd and just like dry firing, throwing flashbangs, like tear gas. Like the police clearly lost control of the city mm. and there was like no way to get a hold of it. So it was just lawlessness. And I was, I was in the middle of it, like an idiot. Um, one of the few white people there, I will say, um, definitely one of the few white people that probably uses deodorant um, that was there. <laughs> Very eclectic group of people. Um, mm. But what was crazy is what, what, what made me realize, and the reason I bring this up as a highlight of what was going on, was... So I started reporting in real time, right? So first of all, everyone thought I was lying. I'm like, dude, riots are breaking out in Dallas. And everyone's like, no, like, first of all, this is the, the discrediting of, of, of the narrative of what really happened. No. And then I was like, 
there are people coordinating the writers and where to go and what to attack. And everyone's like, no. And then I upload video. It's like, all right, everybody go this way. Like on the thing, it's like, oh shoot. Now there's a video showing it. And then I'm like, then I report, which this was the start of this, which I got fact checked on until it got proven true as it always does. And I don't lie to the public. I was like, yo, some they're dropping off like crates of bricks on the corners of streets in the middle of downtown. So people have objects to I break windows that. with. Yeah. yeah. I was like, there, there's, there's crates of bricks. Like, you know, there's no such thing as crates of bricks on street corners. It's just, that's no, no, I've never seen that in my life. Okay. Yeah. And I'm like, they set crates of bricks up in the middle of the city. Like this is planned. Like this is, this is coordinated. And oh my gosh, I got fact checked by every fact checking organization. And then, and then, and then, and then, so, so I didn't happen to film them. Cause I was just, that's not what I was focusing on. I just was, I didn't think people would accuse me of lying because I'm like, mm-hmm. what, what do I have to gain to lie? Like I, I, I didn't go to report politically. I just was like, there's this riot going on in my city. I'm going to report on it. Like, I don't, I'm not even thinking about like the politics of it. I'm just thinking like, yeah. here's, let me tell you what's happening in the middle of the city. And I was like shocked and I'm going, Articles. Elijah Schaefer sets a conspiracy theory that the riots were planned and they're not about racial justice. And there was bricks. Oh, then the videos start coming out from the rioters of the bricks and the crates yeah. of the bricks that were out there that they put up. And I'm like, yo, this is a planned thing. Like, they even knew it. So I'm like, so immediately from that was like the first major riot outside of Minnesota nationally that happened. And I, for some reason, happened to be there because God is good. And we happened to get the narrative out. But because it was there and I was one of the few reporters that actually showed what was happening and the only reporter that got national attention because people just didn't think it was going to happen. Um, this happened also over multiple nights. Um, and then I watched the media just use everything to discredit me. And just like, like I mean, this guy, like I filmed this guy getting um he was guarding a bar with a machete and then they started throwing rocks and bricks at him and and then he tried to run away and then they kept throwing rocks and bricks at him and then he was stupid and then he charged the people who were trying to kill him with the machete and then they knocked him out with the trucks of skateboard and then they cracked open his skull and his like blood like they just i'm not gonna get too gory and then they like robbed him and i put up them beating up the guy and like robbing him and then the media is like then i put up the whole footage underneath it later because you know in real time there's it's really hard to get um footage up on the internet mm. specifically in these tense situations because i don't know if the police jam the signal or if it's just the amount of people rioting and using their cell phones in one district but it's like one of the hardest things is to get up footage uh, in real time it's extremely difficult so the shorter you make a video the better it's not about selectively editing it's just showing people what they need to see because if your video is under 10 seconds it's you can usually get it up if it's more than that it's very difficult so i just showed them beating this guy up to this day um i mean i've had documentaries made about this uh movies i've been you know from talking to anyone from hbo um to having you know intercept and people you know i mean multiple 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 articles i mean i'm talking about actually movies about this um about how i lied because the man charged them with a machete so they were you know racial justice warriors protecting black people from a crazy white guy but they leave out the fact that he charged them because they tried to kill him and he like was acting in self-defense and then they go well then why was he trying to guard a store what do you mean why was he trying to guard a store why were people rioting and trying to break in like where's your narrative so like i only focus on this because it's like it took one event and i've been to several dozen of these of these riots and been involved in them not rioting but documenting them it was crazy that i became the criminal in in this like the reporter became the criminal where the controversy Mm. wasn't that people rioted and broke into the city with for no reason and it was coordinated and that that it was organized and that it was 
planned chaos and destruction of a city and people were nearly murdered and a lot of people were hurt and police officers injured. That wasn't the story. The story was a reporter mischaracterized the event, yeah. which which wasn't even true. To this day, that's what that's what's remembered. From every one of these events that I've been at, it's pretty much been, I've been the storyline, not the story. Mm. To where I'm like, like meaning they made it, they made it the crime. I mean, Harvard University, one of our most esteemed institutions, ended up writing an article that the riots were actually the result of the work of myself and another journalist here named Andy No documenting them, and that our documentation of the riots was was spawning copycat riots and that we were really the the reporters were to blame for the violence and the rioting and like for billions of dollars of damage i mean it was it's just it was so crazy i mean i, I again I, it was so insane from my first interaction that i just knew it was all a bunch of bs and there was no george floyd racial justice in dallas that night people were just looting and wanted free stuff people were just angry and just wanted to cause damage and the police in every major city, basically, because of, of, of local liberal politics, Dallas is actually very left. Uh, people don't realize in central Dallas, most major cities are in the United States. They just let it happen. And, mm. and I don't know why they let it happen. I still don't have answers. Um, mm. I know it's a lot of time spent on like the first riot, but it's just like there's so much to be learned from that one first event that is like, it's really sad that I was able to make a career out of covering mass chaos and violent events in the United States for like over a year. I'm not happy that about that. People are like, oh, call it a grift and stuff. Like, again, it's like, why are you, why are you making this about me? Like the America was attacked from within by far left domestic terrorist groups that organized chaos and the governments colluded with them and people were killed. Dozens of people were killed. Billions of dollars yeah. of damage happened. A, a country was traumatized publicly. Our PR didn't look too good. And and now you're supposed to tell me that on January 6, 2021, one year later, that somehow a riot, which wasn't really even a riot, it was more just like a I know it's like we would call it a violent protest, but meaning I know what a riot is. This was like a little bit different than a riot. This was like a politically motivated something like, yeah, like violent protest, I would call it. You're trying to tell me that that is abnormal in the United States, <laughs> like after I just built an entire public profile of covering these events spending you know six figures in just travel costs to keep up with this stuff and you're going to tell me that this is an abnormal thing it's like oh give me a break this is this was a period that i think eventually hopefully historians will, will, will record accurately it was it was it was crazy so. it was insane mm. i'm just saying i'm saying it was insane i have a lot to say because there's a lot to say about it it, yeah. it was cra it was crazy it was just it was insane just like what the hell what the hell i don't know it's like what, I, there's no way to explain it it was just like eight mm. months of violence, bloodshed, fires, and riots to the point where it was just like, it was just riot. Like it was just like, ah, just, there's just riots happening. Like it's just a, a season of rioting and it was a normal for us. Like it just, no one cared yeah. about it. It was just happening. Well, it's interesting because we didn't actually get much coverage of that eight months that you mentioned over here. But what we did get a lot of coverage of was the insurrection, which, you know, like obviously like that, you can sort of see how the media was using that as a means to almost forget the, those eight months that you're talking about. And I actually was on Sky News over here. I've been shadow banned at the moment but because of my opinions. But someone asked me on Sky News about the insurrection. I was like, come on. I was in law enforcement for 12 years. Like, please, do you really think that a group of people who respect and honor the Second Amendment decided to all get together and unarmed 
to have an insurrection on the Capitol. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and I was sort of very vocal about it because, like you said, like we know the difference between a riot and what that was. And you were there on the ground for it. And I, I know that you you sort of have spoken out a, a lot about it. But um, is there something you're willing to sort of touch on, like what you saw on, on January the 6th? Or is I'm not sure... Yeah, no, you know, okay, so there is an open investigation on me that's the attorney general. I mean, it's it's kind of yeah. scary because um, mm. like I've been I've been fully investigated on this already. So it's it's fine by Homeland Security and the FBI um, to have your audience be familiar. I think it's funny that we're having this discussion because I'm a very normal guy. Uh, <laughs> I don't take myself too seriously. Uh, I have a lot of fun in life. I need to practice. I need to, I need to love God better by, by being more obedient. I'm, you know, after my mom died, I've been in a little bit of a spiral personally. Um, it's been, been very rough, but that's also afforded me the ability kind of being dead inside to sort of get involved in some crazy stuff. And, um, and, and, and it sort of shocked me about how crazy it's been the last few years, I guess I've been maybe coping with trauma, um, and, grief through put, inserting myself in situations where I could die or have problems because I don't maybe value my life as much as people value their own. Um, and that being said, uh, I, I laugh and I, cause I'm just, cause I'm just a normal guy. I used to be a youth pastor and different things. And I went from being like a youth pastor to like, now I've been involved in like every impeachment hearing and getting, you know, tapped by the <laughs> FBI and, you know, like being involved in like few of the most major critical court cases also in American history, modern history and stuff where it's like, but it's by accident. Like, it's like, I'm not trying to do this. I'm just trying to be there. And January 6th was a good example of a, a sort of just like, I just wanted to document this rally in Washington DC. Cause that's just what I do. Like I document stuff, but I didn't think it was going to be violent. In fact, I went with my phone. I am so stupid. I, these events were so uneventful that I like went with like a 44% charged battery on my phone just to like film a couple clips. I wore body armor because I legally have to wear body armor in Washington DC because there's been a, there was assassination attempt on my life a couple of months earlier and the FBI got involved and I had to be evacuated by the federal agencies because they were trying to kill, they tried to kill me. They literally so much in real time, they tried literally foiled an assassination attempt. Weird stuff, but they tried to kill me. Um, uh, and... <laughs> And so like I had, I'm on really strict measures in that city with like what, how I'm allowed to operate and the FBI, I, I guess just told me to please wear body armor or like puncture proof body armor every time you're there. So I'm like, cool. I didn't bring a gas mask though because right wingers don't riot. And so I just didn't bring a gas mask figured there'd be no tear gas. And I went, I was like, okay, this is boring. I've heard Trump speak a million times. This is just another stupid rally. Like I'm not in a mean way, but just like, like mm. we're not, nothing's going to happen. I'm like, I'm over this. I know what I, I already believe that the election was not fair and free, whatever. Mm. I don't believe, I don't believe the narrative on it. I've seen the evidence. It's, it's, it's as, it's as bad as people think, but of course, you know, I'm like, I, the chances of Biden becoming president are hundred percent. Cause I just know our system. Like he's going to become president. Like we need to just like figure out another option. And I go up there and I, I walk up Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol building. And the only reason why I went up there, people don't realize the Capitol is near our Supreme Court building, the SCOTUS uh, building. And previously, at most of the Stop the Steal rallies, which is what's what it was, 
there were altercations between far leftist groups like Antifa and the, um, I would just call it Patriots versus Antifa because it's just, that's what they call themselves. And they would always have altercations there. And I would always dress in all black and I would always infiltrate the Antifa side. And that's what I do. I document mostly left-wing violence and I would document them attacking blah, 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 whatever, just things. So I just left the rally early, go out to the Capitol, uh, the area, and then there's no Antifa there, which is strange because every rally, every rally, there's always been far left groups waiting to intercept the people. Why on the most important rally where there are no far left groups ready to intercept them? I don't know. I've got a lot of questions. I've got a lot of questions. Mm. Uh, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> Just yeah. of Aren't all days. All? <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of questions. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm retarded or because God has a lot given me because of being mentally challenged in many ways <laughs> and stuff, God inserting me into the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but I ended up being around an individual named Ray Epps, who is one of them who instigated the initial uh, uh, assault on the Capitol building. Um, he's not in jail. He's not been arrested by the FBI. He's testified that he's not an FBI informant. He incited riot. He violated federal law. He committed a felony and he's not in jail or imprisonment. So leave me more questions. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty good at this stuff. I'd say by now of knowing who's going to incite violence. I'm pretty good of knowing where to be and where to go. And I just noticed that they literally started calling people to 1776, this mother effer, these individuals did on a, on a megaphone. So I had the feeling that they were going to break down the barriers. So I just went up to the front. And unfortunately, the footage that shows the initial assault, the only footage that exists of the initial assault on the Capitol um, that day, and there's more that have come out after the fact, was my footage. So that initial attack, the knocking the officers down, the punching the officers and breaking through the barriers and getting through, that was me filming that. Um, I don't know why the January 6th committee never subpoenaed me or asked me to testify because I would tell them who instigated the violence and what happened. They're not interested in my story, even though I, I know how the, I know how the, like, to put it in perspective, and it's not a boast. It's like, the January 6th insurrection, I list, I was there. I heard my ears. I saw it start. Mm. I the only the first act of violence that day, that's me. That hello, I filmed it, government. Why do you not care? Like I've been investigated for crimes, but never been asked to give my testimony on what I saw and heard. I know who started the January 6th insurrection. I filmed it start. Okay. Mm. So and 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 like people don't realize like that was like the first footage that hit the internet of that. And I think that did like within a day, maybe like 40 million views or something like that in like one day. So it did, it went viral. Yeah. I didn't think it was as big of a deal in the moment because I've seen federal buildings attacked many times. And I've, you know, been in a lot of violent situations. I've had quite a few guns pulled on me. I've been jumped. I've had quite a few bones broken. I've had a lot of surgeries, et cetera. So like, I, I don't know, I've just been around a lot and this wasn't angrily violent. This just seemed like, again, I call them the violent protests where they're not right. So just like the people at the front are like angry and so they like hit cops and stuff right so it's like it's a mostly a protest there's a lot of blm violent protests too we're like it's really a protest meaning 99 of the people are protesting and there's like one percent at the front lines that agitate mm -hmm. and cause problems yeah a riot is like when it's just like a horde of people looking to cause destruction kind of thing yeah. like it's that's more what i consider a riot like dallas was a riot no one's protesting there's no signs there's no speeches it was just yeah. hordes of people breaking into buildings a violent protest is different. People get agitated in the protest. The police push in, they push back. And that's a pro, it's violent at the mm. front. Um, that's what this seemed like to me because it yeah. was like Donald Trump's speech wasn't even over. So I couldn't call it a riot because everyone was still down at the, uh, there. Mm. I realized I was kind of screwed because 
I crossed the barriers and I didn't want to help the police or anybody or even the, 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 I, we'll just call those people the front rioters themselves. They are looking for some, some destruction, the rioters at the front. Um, Cause I didn't want to get politically involved. Now people don't realize this, but I actually have like one of the highest security clearances, like credentials for, for journalists in the United States. Like that's actually, you have to go into the Capitol building to get them and you have to be a part of a major organization and it takes years to get approved and stuff. It's like a very complicated thing. How do I get that quickly? Um, people have conspiracies. People always think that like, I'm like somehow like deep state or I'm connected or something. The truth is, is I just work for a, a news media organization and they have the, the, the connection for the credentials and I got the credentials from them, which are very authoritative in DC. It's, you need those credentials. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have those credentials, I'd be in prison. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, praise God. I just want to remind people of that because they tried to put me in prison and they still are. And I'm not in prison because if they put me in prison, I'm going to, it's going to become a kind of Supreme court case. Anyway, uh, we pushed up and it got really violent. I noticed things started seeming suspicious. Somebody had a water bottle full of like fake blood that they were like spraying on the steps. Things were just like, what the hell is going on here? Um, and cops didn't know what to do. Like there was no police really like, there was like no police really and there was no national guard and it was already going for like half an hour and i literally like spoke to police officers and i'm like uh like wait yo we're in the national capital like where's the military like what where's where's the backup and he's like i don't know they're not they're not they're not giving us backup like and i'm like because i like i just flash my credential and they know like oh like it's a they know they know it it's like a it's now an orange pass it used to be considered a green pass so it's like these Capitol Police know who you are. And I've used it on, like, you can get behind police lines with this stuff. Um, and so I'm, like, flashing my badge to everyone, being like, yo, 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 press, 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 press. You know, like, I, I just what's going on? I need an update. I'm trying to update the public, blah, 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 blah. And they would give me updates. Like, I don't know. Like, and, and I'm like, and they're not even in riot gear. Um, and I'm like, oh, crap. Like, why is, like, I was, felt, I actually felt really bad with the police because I'm like, probably most of these police agree with the protesters. Like, like mm. police are pretty right wing usually. Um, and so I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Mm. Uh, then the crowd calmed down. They got the crowd to calm down, which I was really happy about. And then everyone like calmed down and I was like, all right, we're going to be okay. We breached the steps of the Capitol. Everything's going to be fine. And and then they just start like cannoning flashbangs, grenades, and tear gas into the crowd of people after they calm down, like back in the back. It, they started creating like a line of like, and I have video of all of this. They started in the same spots, creating these like pressure points and it pushed the crowd forward. And they like pushed the crowd into the Capitol. And the many times they basically just let people in. Windows were broken and there were some corridors where they tried to keep people out. But for the most part, it was unimpeded access. And then when they got in, like, I was like, I really lost a lot of like, I was like, oh shoot, we really could just be invaded and conquered. Like we got into the Capitol. I was so scared because, you know, they have the ability as some Ashley Babbitt was killed to kill us once we're inside. Mm. And I was like, I am about to test the limits of my credential because 
I cannot believe people are breaking into the Capitol building, but if I don't show the public this, then like I'm doing a disservice to Americans. And I'm like, this is obviously, it has, I'm, I'm like, this is clearly going to be remembered in history. I didn't know it was going to be misrepresented the way it is, but I was like, mm-hmm. clearly it's a historic event. Like the day the Capitol was broken into, it's a, ca- it's a, it's a Capitol in the, we're in the Capitol building in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool when you think about it as a, as a journalist to like get the opportunity to document. I mean, think about that, right? It's like, yeah. imagine you, document the hanging of Saddam Hussein or like you happen to be a journalist in New York on September 11th horrible event not happy it happened but if you documented it it's like a gold mine in terms of like reputation like at least she says I'm like I I gotta do this so I'm like retarded and just getting to the capital now I don't remind you the police are like fully we got machine guns pointed at us I mean I have I Near, I almost got arrested multiple times. My press badge got me out of it. But essentially, like, there's some cool security measures. They started smoking the hallways. Like, gas comes out and stuff. And they, like, smoke out the hallways with, like, tear gas. It's crazy stuff. Everyone's punching police officers. Police officers are beating people. I'm, like, look like I'm, like, a terrorist because I'm, like, in all black with, like, body armor on. And I'm, like, so now I have to, like, clip my ID, my my green pass onto my, my chest because I'm, like, dude, I'm going to get shot. Like, I was just mm. like, I'm going to get shot. Like I, and I'm like telling, I'm like trying to beg people not to go any further because every time they take a step further into the building, I have to go follow them. So I'm like, guys, please like, just stop, stop. Like you're, we're all going to get shot. Like just stop. Cause I'm like, I literally keep thinking that we're just going to like get through a door and then we're just going to all get like, they were trying to get into the chambers, which they did. Mm. And I knew Congress was in session and I knew that it was considered probably an act of war. I thought so. I was like, you guys, they could, they could declare this an act of war. Now, if you like, basically if you assault any member of Congress, you could just, this was, this is an act of war. I think so. Um, mm. Which, which that's why I thought it could have been an insurrection or like a revolution, but it wasn't. I just, in the moment, like, I didn't know what their intents were, right? Like, I didn't know if people were armed under their belts. Like, I didn't know what was going on the front lines. So, um, basically, we got gassed out, and they're beating people up. I ended up in Nancy Pelosi's corridor, and I'll say nothing else except for the fact that I did document some of what was going on in that corridor, and and I am... <laughs> still being investigated for wiretapping. And I'll just say this clearly. I did not access the computers. I did not touch a computer. I did not go through anyone's emails. I did not touch any official documents. Uh, my crime is that I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but it's not even, it's not a crime against the law. It's a just the public. It's just a public hanging of, of uh, accusation. I was doing my job. I did nothing illegal. I was working under a charter and a license. And that's when I, I believe I could have gotten shot because they came in, of course, as Nancy Pelosi's office. Someone did steal. They did steal and vandalize. And I didn't know what to do because now I'm stuck in the middle of the Capitol building. And I'm like, oh, crap. I'm like, I didn't think about this. Like, I don't even know how, how where I am. It's a big building. I was mm-hmm. like, I don't even know where I am. I'm just like sitting in the chamber of Nancy Pelosi. I don't know what this is. I don't even know where I'm in the building. Mm-hmm. I'm somewhere deep inside. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and then like the... Like, I don't know if this is interesting to you, but it's, but it's, it's like, very interesting. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like, the, so I'm like, I don't like, I know everything I say is long winded, but it's like, and they like, just like, I don't know if it was DHS or if it was the national guard, but like some troops just like come in, like, just like full on with their rifle, like pointed at me. I'm like sitting in a chair and I was eating <laughs> Cheez-Its because I was so sick from the gas that I was like, I couldn't, I literally couldn't breathe or move. I was so sick. Like I was genuinely like, 
sick, sick. Like I, it made me feel like I thought I was, I thought I was, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack actually. I thought I was gonna die. So that's why I was sitting in there. Cause I was just like, I didn't know what to do. And I was like looking at an officer while he has a rifle pointed at my face. And I'm just like, <laughs> like pointing to the, to the badge, like, yeah. <laughs> don't shoot me and they then like they cleared everyone out of the office except for me so i'm like okay i guess the police are fully okay with this badge like i guess i'm fine anyway i had some more fun there <laughs> documented a lot of crazy things got detained a couple times uh got hit a few times ended up getting locked inside the capitol building in the rotunda ended up having to beg police to let me out using my badge ended up helping them look for bombs um I was just like, dude, I'll just, they were like, this is the bomb. I was like, I just picked it. I don't know. I just helped them clear some bags and look in them for them. Cause I wanted to get out and they're like, all right, you can leave. And then they escorted me out. And um, then I retired from journalism after that day, because I've been in a long-term investigation that is trying to put me in prison for a very long time for doing my job. And, uh, and I have not uh, reported since that day, really No, Yeah. So yeah. I've been mostly just on TV now because I, uh, so I'm in a long-standing federal lawsuit and it's expensive and very scary. And I went to hiding in a protection program for a while and they harassed me and followed me in cars and documented and tapped everything and harassed everybody from my church to people. And it has been a nonstop fight against the federal government simply because a congressman who is a political enemy of mine decided that he was going to weaponize the DOJ against me specifically because he wanted to make my life hell, even though it was illegal. And so now I've been fighting the federal government who is illegally prosecuting a credentialed journalist. And that's my stupid little life in one hour. <laughs> it is certainly not stupid at all. And when, and I say when, because it is going to be over for you, because, you know, I, I, I think that the truth will always come out in some way or another, you'll be vindicated, but, you know, you have to write a book or something with all of this. Like it's, um, I feel like it, it's the truth that needs to be told one day when you're able to just completely openly speak about it. So you should do that. Uh, you should pursue that one day. But um, I'll wrap it up with, with with one sort of last question that I and it's something that um, I've been encouraged by you um, about it. I and that's your faith, your Christianity, because there are a lot of people like you and I who are in the space, but not as many people who I think are as bold or as outspoken about it. And I've been really encouraged that someone like yourself is in the position that you are and you're unapologetic about your Christianity um, and you speak about it. And what sort of sold me into like really liking you and appreciating what you do is you liked a tweet of mine that a lot of people didn't like and I copped a lot of flack over. And that was, I said, Zoom church is fake church. And, and I got criticized harshly, but you liked it and you liked it. I was like, oh, that's, oh, he's like a real Christian. This is pretty cool. Like he gets it. Um, and so I just want to just sort of finish up by sort of um, encouraging you with that because um, I think it's fantastic that you're doing it and sort of just giving you an opportunity to talk about that a little bit further. And I guess the role um, of Christianity for yourself and the role of Christianity and the, how you view the importance of Christianity in the world today. Yeah. Um, it, it, I think like, like I really did like that tweet. And, and I, and I think the reason why is because I struggle with a lot of opposition from, from, Christian community um, because 
I'm not only a flawed individual, like all individuals are, but I don't try to hide it. Like I, I'm not, I don't, not two-faced. So it's not like I'm like, yeah, I'm like a really nice Christian. And then one day you find out I'm like selling cocaine on the black market or something. Like I, I'm a, I'm a man, like I'm a dude, first of all. And I think Christianity has become feminized, very feminine, um, you know, where it's like people, Christians aspire to be worship leaders. Well, that's great. It's not really exactly what Christianity is about. We worship God, but we're supposed to be doers, movers, and shakers of the world. We're supposed to be the salt and the light of the earth. Like we're supposed to be out in the world. And like life is messy and we are very, very fallen people in many ways. And we are redeemed by God. But like, my gosh, Christians just like let people just have seasons of their life where they're, we have highs and lows and it's real. And it's like, why pretend like you're always in a high? Why pretend like you're always, every time you make a mistake that it's always redemption, you're, you know, repenting. No, you might go through years of struggling with the sin, maybe decades before you're, you know, humbled enough, whether by your own actions to give it up. And like, that's okay. You know, you can love God and raise your hands to worship and still be battling something in your life. Like the battle belongs to the Lord. Sure. But the war is fought with your hands. And so it's like, you know, we're not all good. Life isn't good all the time. And we are, we are allowed to have that struggle. And I've always, like, I be, I was an atheist. I became a Christian in a very real conversion with God in a way where like, like, I mean, I moved to the desert. I didn't watch movies. Like I really had a radical conversion. Um, like I, it was never to prove anything to anyone. I just was desperate, drug addicted and very promiscuous and, and very uh, depressed, you know, uh, you know, people, I, I, I don't come across like a, like an intelligent person and I'm not like tooting my own horn or something, but you know, I've always, academics have always been a, a, a key uh, interest of myself. I've always done very well in, in, in complex studies of like mathematics and the sciences and philosophy, et cetera. Um, and so I, you know, I was a bit, nar I would say narcissistic, uh, self-reliant, prideful, uh, things that were like, you know, where I didn't feel like I needed God. And so when I, when I found God, it was like, I'm either going to shoot myself or find God. That was where I was at. I was either going to kill myself or if God, if God was real, I needed him to reveal himself. And he did. And I, and I found God. I understood grace and redemption. So my, 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 my relationship with God isn't predicated upon like the way I was raised or uh, a cultural foundation. It's basically that the reason why my brains aren't, aren't, weren't cleaned up on the wall of a Los Angeles apartment is because God is real. And that reality of knowing God was like, all right, God, well, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to do something. And, and what's crazy is I've always had a fear of speaking in front of people, like pretty much most of my life. Uh, it's been one of my biggest fears. And um, I got in, like I was in a parking lot and, and I don't care if people don't agree with this. this. My point is my faith has always been natural. It's never been like, I didn't even know what speaking in tongues was. Um, and some people approached me in a parking lot of a mall and said, God sent them. And this kind of sounds crazy to people. This whole story, if you don't want to believe it, anyone, I don't care. It's just, it's true, uh, regardless. And they're like, you're supposed to pray in the spirit. I don't know what the hell is that. And I was actually going to a Bible college at that time that didn't believe in that stuff. So I like wasn't taught anything about it. It's like, huh? So, okay. And I prayed with them. And I started speaking in tongues and I was freaked out. I thought I was possessed with a demon or something because I thought it was wrong because I was told that like, I didn't like just like I didn't really know what tongues was, but I was told I if I heard it and I like was told a lot of stuff fake and gibberish. And so I was like, so I was like, all I've heard is that it's like not real. And like I so I didn't, I didn't wasn't taught that it was like something that believers really did and it was real. I thought it was like witchcraft. So I was freaked out. And so then I started like 
speak. I, but I couldn't stop all the time. I was always just praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit. And I got really close to God. And I would just wake up like five in the morning and like sit and go for hours and in the word and study the word. And I got like really close to God. And I like started like transcending like, like beyond my own wants and needs and was able to like conquer and beat a lot of the, the, the struggles in my life, like the pornography and promiscuity and uh, to, to the drugs that I was addicted to and stuff. And I was like, just by like reading my Bible and praying in the spirit, I was like, really, I like transformed my psyche. And I became so familiar with who God was not in a weird new age way, just like so familiar with the heart of God. I read through the Bible multiple times. I'd study it and just pray and fast for, for, I couldn't get past five days fasting. Cause I don't know how people do more than that. It was, that was crazy. And I broke the fast the way you should with Taco Bell, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> and so for like four years about, I just like, didn't drink, didn't do anything and just didn't curse. It just really served God, went to end up going to like seminary, finishing my degree and stuff. Also, you know, finished my degree in genetic engineering, molecular biology, all that stuff. And, uh, was it just again, like grad school and was a youth pastor and I just felt really like ineffective. And, and through that time, I ended up having this woman show up at my door a couple of years into this stuff and telling me that like, you know, like youth pastor was fine, but one day I was going to have a large audience. I was going to speak before millions of people and that I was going to be used to, to bring balance and truth in the world. And I was like, that's freaking nuts. What are you talking about? And she kind of like set me up on this like three part thing that was going to happen before that happened. And like, I was protected in the church, but I just felt like it was just so ineffective. I felt like the church wasn't doing much. And I just like really got into politics and really started seeing what's happening in the world and how the church really isn't there. And it's just, there's not a lot going on. And since sort of questioning the church wasn't effective, I've sort of been cast, I was sort of cast out by, by the church, by Christians in general, very much before anything and being thrown out of the church and into the world, you know, like, like sort of got back into some bad old habits and, and it, you know, mine, I never lost my faith. Um, Cause it wasn't given, like it was sort of ingrained and instilled in me. And like, I've never thought that my faith is based on my works, but my works are the result of my faith, which is so, so like, it's like, it's like my faith can't go away. I'm not like some guy who's going to go make a mistake. And then I don't believe in God anymore. Like, what are you talking about? And I'm also not someone who's like, well, I believe in God. I can live however I want. So I'm not like living like that either. I was just like, dude, there really aren't a lot of like people with real faiths in God doing anything cool in the world. Like, this is crazy. Like I'm out here and like, this is crazy. meeting like presidents and stuff and like doing crazy things. And like, and like, I've just seen the hand of God. I, it's been a calling of God that he's been, he's been sustaining me. So many people try to take me down. And that's why I can't get prideful because the only reason why I'm not in prison and the only reason why things have gone as successfully as they have is because God has allowed me. And if they go away, which is totally fine, which could happen. And I could go to prison is because God allows it. And so what's really confused the general public, which I think is the funniest thing ever sometimes, and also it's, it's, it's hard because I don't think I have the greatest reputation, um, is people always tell me like, so you're really a Christian. You don't seem like a Christian. And that makes me sad um, mm. that people don't think of Christians as like real people that do real things and like influence the world and stuff. They think of Christians as like good people who stay in the church. And I don't want people to think I'm a good person, actually. I, I hope they don't, because I'm not I'm not good besides what God redeemed me and the value he put on my life. And it's because of God that I'm able to have value and be good. But the fact that like the world doesn't like me because I'm not worldly and the church doesn't like me because I'm not churchly, but God loves me because God's redeemed me. And then I, that you know causes me to struggle with being godly, which is a true struggle. I don't write that off. I 
I could be refined in the fire way more. I have been, but, but what I've noticed is it's like when I was refined more, I was less effective. And the more that I've been in the world, I'm learning who God really is and what he is. And so it's like, it, it crushes my heart that it's like, it's like, it's, but it's been so effective. I've never led more people and, and helped and been involved. I shouldn't say led. That's such a church word. I've never been involved or been, had so much feedback of people coming back to Christ and turning their lives around by realizing that you don't have to get right to first and then come to God. You come to God as messy as you are and watch him transform you and be real and don't be like, I'm transformed and have a good two years. And then, you know, turn your back on God. It's like, just go through life with God. Like I tell people, I'm, I'm I said, since my mom died, I have not been a stable person. No, I'm not going to do anything crazy or illegal or anything like that. Just, it's just been a struggle. It's been a constant struggle to cope with the, with the grief. And it's like, it's like, oh, but you know, you curse and you that. I do. I do. Well, you shouldn't. I probably shouldn't. Well, but this, yeah, you know, I read the Bible too, man. You're fat. You're, you're glutton. Okay. Like you shouldn't eat so much. Do you agree? Yeah. Do I going to stop loving God? Well, don't you love God by obeying his commands? Yeah. Well, because there's a hundred commands and I follow 98 of them and not two of them. Should I stop following the other 98 because I met, I have struggle in the other two. It's like, no, we love God because he first loved us and God's real and he's powerful. We don't abandon God because, because, because sometimes we're disobedient. In our disobedience, God loves us the same. Our, our best works are like filthy rags. It's not about justifying our struggles. It's just realizing that we need to be authentic with God because he's only been authentic with us. And to the world, what do we owe the world but authenticity? Why do I want to, to, to put a fake, like, why would I want to paint Christianity in a way that I'm not experiencing it, that I don't know it? And I'm not saying experience is more important than tradition in the Bible because Christians just constantly pick and nitpick. And it's just... Ah, it's just so insane sometimes. It drives me nuts. It's like, dude, what's the point of our faith if we're not transforming and changing the culture and our lives and like being hands-on? What is the point of all of this? Like, like I could be as good and never curse and never drink and never, never, you know, have sex or do any of these things and be in the church. But it's like, I've like, it's almost like I've gained the whole church, but lost my soul. They always said, what good is it if you gain the world and you lose your own soul? What good is it if you gain the respect of the whole church, but you lose the world? Like, have you gained God's respect by that? You know, by just being accepted in the walls, like Zoom church? What do you even think? That's a, we're not spectators. This isn't a, a gladiator sports game. We're the, we're the body, we're the hands, the fingers, we're the lifeblood, right? We're the lifeblood. And people are like, well, I'm not really effective. Dude, they thought the appendix wasn't important in the body up until recently, until we realized it's a sink and a hold for a bacteria that's important when you get infections to repopulate your guts. And it's very important to have your appendix. And it's not good if you have it removed and you won't recover from infections as easily. And it's like, we've gone through years not knowing the purpose of, of, a, of a, we called it vestigial organ. And, you know, it was part showed evolution's real. And we came from, you know, chimpanzees. And then we realized, oh shoot, God designed it for a reason. It's like, we were all designed for a reason. My reason I thought was to be a mouthpiece in the church. That wasn't what I was designed for. I know that I'm living in my calling. And because I'm living in my calling, I, I have opportunities to do right that I've never had in my life and opportunities to do wrong I've never had in my life. I have done many great things that I never thought I would do. And I've done many bad things that I never thought I would do. And, and, and that's all part of the story. And in, the, in spite of all of that, it's not about me. It's about God and his calling and his purpose on all of us together as his church, the body of Christ to do what he wills. And so how could I ever stop talking about God? How could I, God, so his realness and his reality and his function in the world isn't diminished because of my different experience of how it is today. In fact, it's amplified and, and it, it, it defines all things. And it's like, 
the church is just so far from God's heart. And I'm not, you know, some expert and some, you know, huge critic of the church, but it's like, there are so few people that really do believe in God that are doing anything. And I know that because I'm out here and I only meet, I met a few of them. <laughs> You're one of them. So it's like, I met a few people, literally just a few that both have a genuine faith in God and a genuine love for, 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 for his people and what's going on in the world and to see it changed. And so it's like, that is my faith. And it, it, it's, it's not a, it's not generic. Like it inspires me. It's my, my call, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's like, I'm in war, baby. It's like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm fighting and God's by my side, the, the God of angels armies, you know, like we sing the songs like the God of angels armies is always by my side. Like, okay. So you have the God of angel armies. You have the leader of armies of angels. And you think you don't have a chance to fight against the wickedness and the evil in the world. Oh, give me a, you don't believe that you're just singing songs. The God, yeah. the God of armies of angels, of angelic beings. Like seriously, like that, that's you're, you're, you're acknowledging that you have a God that's that, that great fighting with you and you can't fight your federal government. Okay. All right. We're, mm. we're serving two different gods. Like, I don't know. I believe it. So, you know, King David raped people. He murdered people and he was called a man after God's own heart. Lot, it was accounted him righteousness because by faith he had action and he did stuff by faith. Read Hebrews. It's like, it's like, it's not because the people were good that God accounted them righteousness. It was because they proved by their actions, not because they didn't curse or they didn't gamble. It was because they were willing to risk it all for God. And they were willing to do things outside of protection and by faith do mighty and miraculous things to fight the corruption, the evilness in the world and to do God's work. It wasn't because everyone thought they were good people. It would matter because God counted them righteous and they knew it despite their flaws. And it's like, I just wish more people could see that and they could realize that and be empowered by that and just leave the church for a second and realize that those Zoom meetings and your church Zoom meetings aren't doing much. And it's not, mm. it's not, you're not, you're not heaping rewards in heaven by attending your Zoom meeting at 10 a.m. Like I just, that's not where it's at. Go, go to it, do it, watch it. That's fine. It's about being and moving and shaking. And I just, I hope more people wake up and I hope they do that. And also too, I don't mind if people criticize me. I do have issues. Iron sharpens iron. Go ahead, call out my flaws. I probably am more aware of them than you are, by the way. It's like, I tell the public, it's like, if you email me and tell me about where I'm making mistakes, I live my life more often than you see it on the internet. So I know exactly where I struggle and where I sin and where I make mistakes. And guess what? God's still perfect and I'm still gonna serve him. And he's still the God of angels armies and he's still by my side. So uh, we're gonna go forth and in faith and we're gonna conquer this world together. And I don't need anybody else and because I have God and that's all I look to. And maybe there's no one behind me and there's nobody else beside me. I don't know because my eyes are on Christ. They're fixated. And so that's how why I'm fighting in faith. And I might be stupid because maybe there's nobody else but us, but God, there's multiple stories in the Bible where God wanted less and less soldiers to fight, less and less soldiers to fight because mm -hmm. he wanted to prove that he, by his own hand, he could do it. And so I know I have nothing to do with this. That's why, again, there's no ego because it's nothing to do with me. It's God by my side. And maybe this all sounds a little bit like dumb to some people, uh, but, but it's like, it's so much more fun to serve God in the real world. It's disappointing. It's tragic. Sometimes it's emotional. It's defeating. It's everything, but it's like, in the end, you know, you win. So the ride is fun. Yeah. And that basically sums it up. I don't know. That's my, that's like mm. kind of my, that's, that's why I do what I do. I think, I think the last couple of years has really sorted the wheat from the chaff in terms of. Uh, ministry, church, and things like that, like the corporate church, the modern church is weak. And when you have a weak church, you have weak communities. When you have weak communities, you have a weak nation. Um, you know, you break the church, you break the home, you break the nation. And that's exactly what we're seeing. And so, you know, 
as discouraging as it is to see the church render things to Caesar that belong to God, I'm also encouraged because I, I feel this is a great leveling right now. You know, when God speaks, the mountains tremble and it's like he's speaking and the things that are fallible, the things that aren't fixed in something eternal are just falling off the shelves as it shakes. And maybe that's a good thing because I do think we're ripe for a revival. And I, I think we're ripe for Christians who actually seek God and the affirmation of God, not man. And I think the new era of shepherds is yet to come and good will always prevail. Like you said, um, stupidity can't sustain itself. So yeah, I'm, I'm super encouraged by your faith. Um, and I, I'm, I'm so like, wow, I don't even know what to say about some of the things you've experienced over the last, you know, sort of few years. But uh, uh, again, thank you for going on the ground, getting the truth out there, especially for Australians like me who wouldn't have known that if there weren't people like yourself out there doing that for us. Um, and, you know, like, I'd love to talk to you more, but I'll, I'll let you go. And thank you for coming on today and for sharing all of this with me really encouraged by you and um, yeah, love your work. Where can people follow you and support you? Yeah. Uh, it depends, depends what they're into. So um, if you, if you are sensitive to vulgarity and to uh, cursing and sensitive images, don't follow me anywhere because basically <laughs> I cover culture and whether it's me talking about things or showing you things again, I'm just being honest uh, and nothing I do is for children just so you know, um, and it's not safe for children. Um, if you're an adult and you don't mind things or you understand educationally, it's okay. I'm just putting that out there. Um, you can, uh, if you care more about like the culture of like what's going on and being educated on things that you would just have to know, especially for the youth of like what's going on with genders and sexuality and just the insanity of what's happening in the world. And you want to stay updated. You can follow me on uh, my podcast, Slightly Offensive, which is available on all platforms, both audio and video and all social media, including alt media like gab.com and telegram, but all the major ones as well. Uh, if you're, again, if you're sensitive to cursing, um, I wouldn't follow any of these shows. Uh, but if you're not, or you, it doesn't phase you, uh, I have a live show as well. That is at 6 p.m. Central. Um, time which for australians is like your morning i think i think it's like your morning time it's like a morning show for you guys i guess uh and that's called you are here and that is on youtube as well and my co-host is australian sydney watson and that is a really weird show that i like a lot um because we had we have anyone from like a transsexual one night to like a white nationalist the next night to like it's just the most, then like, we'll have like a porn star on and it's not dirty, but like, and then, then we'll have like a pastor on. It's just like the point of the show, I have an atheist woman and I'm like a Christian guy. The whole point of the show is to have like differing viewpoints and people to have conversations about culture topics of the day and what's going on. And it's actually worked out really well. We've been only going for like five months. We already have like 130,000 subscribers, which is like crazy in like five months. God's been good. I don't know how that worked out because that was a really hard show to launch. And um, I encourage you to watch it. It's a great show. It's fun to watch. And it's like two hours every day. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's a, it, yeah, that's what it is. And you can follow me on all social media as well, but that's just gives you a little background of what it is. And also make sure you support Calgary Pool and you support Evelyn and everybody that's, that's working there um, as it's a great organization and um, they're doing a lot to, to support. And they're actually quite popular in the U.S. So that's true. 
Thank you. Yeah, but love your shows. Love what you do. Love Sydney as well. Your co-host, she's lovely. I'm going to try and get her on here one week as well. Would love to hear her thoughts on some things. But again, thanks for joining me. Um, God bless. Take care of yourself. And hopefully uh, you stay outside of prison for a long time to come because I love hearing and, and seeing all your commentary on things in life. So thanks again. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. 